The following show contains spoilers for the Belco experiment. Belco's redundancy policy is bloody brutal. We could survive that. We could survive that. We could survive. All employees, lend me your full attention. Hey, it's Jesus. Your chance of survival increases by following my orders. Your task is simply this. In two minutes, we want 30 of you dead. If 30 of you are not dead, we will end 60 of your lives ourselves. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. Hello and welcome to We Could Survive That, your survival guide to the movies. I'm Jack and today I'm joined by a man who's got a promotion and is now moving to Colombia. It's Chris. Well, I was going to go. Oh, hello, everybody, by the way. <laughs> I was going to go until you said that Belgo has a brutal redundancy plan. Because uh, that's the company I'm going for, actually. Oh, is it? Yeah, apparently we're in a uh, out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, we've got to have small trackers in our brain because kidnappings are high around there. We are British are valued. For our there, knowledge of tea and scone. Exactly. Everyone wants us. There's heavy security around there. Uh, yeah, but I've been invited to an induction day there. Oh, lovely. Yeah. What's, what's the pay like? I, I, I don't know. I don't know what they do. Apparently we uh, do something with American companies in South America. I don't really understand it. They've not given me any figures. They've not sent me any... I didn't even apply for the job. They <laughs> just sent me, they sent me an invite saying, hey, do you want this job? I was like, yeah. I don't know what it is, but... It sounds good, all right. I'll up sticks and move to Colombia. Yeah, why the hell not? The food's okay, I guess. I don't know. What do they eat? Colombians. They, they, they eat other Colombians. <laughs> Yes, so today's uh, movie that we're going to be talking about is uh, the Belco experiment. We're saving the news for the end of the podcast this week, Chris. It will be a delicious dessert morsel uh, after we've filled up on this latest film. If it was a dish, it would be a bloody steak of of a of a film followed by no taken with a bloody Mary, bloody Mary, bloody steak. Yeah. And a tomato juice as well. That's what a Bloody Mary is. It's is tomato it? juice with vodka. Oh. I thought it was blood of the real Mary. <laughs> <laughs> the blood of Mary's. Uh, no, Belco is directed by Greg McLean. McLean? And written by James Gunn. I did say we were going to do Guardians this week, but uh, Chris was double booked, so... But we've, we've still got our fix of James Gunn. I was going to say, did you confirm is this the same James Gunn as Guardians? Yes, it's it the is. James Gunn. Uh, yeah. You wasn't sure when we came out of the I showing. wasn't sure. No. Because it did have a lot of James Gunn regular casting people, including James Gunn's actual real-life brother, who's also in Guardians. So we've got like really? one-third of the cast of Guardians. We've got Yondu in this and his brother. His brother is the stoner character, and he's also one of the Ravagers in Guardians. So, it's a family affair, yes. Okay. As I said, the Belco experiment was written by James Gunn. It was written a few years ago based on a dream that he had. So, scary Did... to be working with James Gunn if these are the dreams he has. Did he have this dream after watching, uh, was it Battle, Roy Battle Royale? Battle Maybe. Yeah. Which is a... Is it Korean? I, th I think it's Chinese. It's Chinese, Japanese, Korean. It's one of those three. <laughs> <laughs> we're not racist we, <laughs> just... don't, we don't know is that where they put on an island school children on an island isn't it 
Yes. Yeah. And they've got bombs around their necks, I think. And if they stray off the island, then they go off. Mm. Let's talk about Belco. It's pretty much the same premise. Yeah. Uh, 80 workers are in a Colombian office building when the shutters come up and barricade all the windows and all the doors. So there's no escape whatsoever. And then a voice on the intercom tells the office workers to kill two people. Otherwise, the intercom man will kill four people. And it goes on from there. And we follow a bunch of different characters. Mike is our protagonist, our main guy. And he's against this. And we've got his COO who thinks this is all kind of a joke. And then we've got a creepy stalker in the form of Dr. Cox from Scrubs. Best character. Uh, he's he's underused he's a good actor but he is he's not used to his full yeah in this film so is uh yondu who's in this briefly not blue yeah <laughs> and uh yeah there's there's a lot of supporting characters cannon fodder basically and the movie progresses and slowly dwindles down all the office workers either due to uh these small trackers which have been placed in the back of their necks which are actually bombs to make it easier for the intercom man to kill the various employees and i think also to keep track of who's alive and just in case they're out of camera shot then he can judge who's still around and who's still in play so to speak so chris it's a new film let's do a little reviewy bit first okay Uh, what did you think it was better than what i thought it was going to be I'd heard nothing about this film at all up until uh, the day we saw it, and that was the first day I even watched a trailer. All right. A few, yeah. hour, few hours before we saw it. So you didn't have time to build up expectations. No. So which is, is... It's fair enough. So, it's probably better going in Yeah, so all I had to go for this trailer, and I was like, okay, it looks okay. I enjoyed the violence and the gore, and uh, I like the simple premise of it all. That was stolen from. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> was stolen. Okay, the premise. It was okay. A lot of what I have issue with in the film comes later on when the reveal happens. But we'll we'll move on to that in a bit. Character-wise, there's a lot of them. I really do like the intro uh, over the Spanish cover of whatever song that. I like the Spanish covers of all the of all the songs. That was great. Uh yeah, I like the opening credits where it's a slice of life and everyone in the office is hanging out and going, Hey man, you have a good weekend? There's Yondu. It's not Yondu. Nobody <laughs> went, there's Yondu. Why is that guy not blue? <laughs> or somebody else saw it. He used to be a big movie star in Guardians and stuff. Now he's here. He's an engineer now. <laughs> he's, he's gone forward in his career. Exactly. Yeah, so I like, I like that aspect of the film. Once all the gore and stuff gets flying the bomb in the back of the neck explosions the effects are quite good i'm pretty sure they're practical blood pack explosions i'd guess yeah as far as goriness goes that's about as gory as it gets with the head explosions i know you're sick and twisted and you love (laughs) you love gory and creative deaths and stuff as far as creative deaths go i don't think there were that many i mean they were limited to what they could use weren't they Apart from getting access to, uh, they have an armory there, the handguns. I mean, all they had was office equipment, really. So, yeah, but that's they were, where they were a bit limited. That's where I'm coming from, though. You love a creative death, so would you have liked to see someone stabbed in the back by a thousand pencils or crushed by a computer monitor or something like that? 
there's enough things there that a sick mind such as yourself, Chris, <laughs> could have written some creative. I don't want to say cartoony, but there were a few cartoony moments in this. And this is I did double check. It's uh, it's genre is action horror thriller because I went into it thinking it was going to be a horror comedy or a yeah. dark comedy, and there were elements of dark humour. But it didn't go enough that way for me to yeah, kind of go, oh, this is a fun killer man with a keyboard film. <laughs> if that is a genre. Right, but... right. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that is. Have you ever seen Wanted? First film that I saw with James McAvoy in it, he beats the crap out of a guy with a keyboard. Okay, there was none of that. No, I wish I had been, though. Yeah, I suppose they could have got, thinking about it, they could have got a lot more... Uh, creative of what they were doing there yeah if they'd picked their tone a bit wiser because there were sure um i think it's sean gunn is is the stoner guy james gunn's brother i think his name's sean but yeah he's a comic character and i think it would have lent itself better to a more comic tone because there are bits in this which are frankly uncomfortable oh probably really no, I'll get I'll get on to it, but frankly, it may have benefited from that. And the dark bits I'm coming to is when uh, heads explode, and then the COO and uh, a bunch of other of of his we'll call them heavies, his, <laughs> his mob friends round up all the other office workers, the civilians, and then pick and choose who they're going to shoot, and then they line them up against a wall. And then it's just very cold, bang, move on to the next one. I found that uncomfortable. That's probably... It's meant to be that. I Uh, didn't find it uncomfortable at all. Oh, did you find it hilarious? (laughs) Not hilarious, but I was just like, okay, he's doing this. Not not like, oh, this is is dark, this is wrong. Nope, he's doing it for survival. I understand. Would I do the same thing? Would you? Yeah, I think that's what the film... That's the big question the film asks. How far would you go to survive? Because our protagonist, Mike, I think he hits the nail on the head pretty early on where they're having this discussion and the COO's going, okay, maybe we should consider the possibility of killing some people and Mike's going, you can't do that because you don't really think that they're going to let us kill people and then just let one or more of us go out into the world to say, hey, Belco, they're a bunch of pricks. They made me kill Frank from legal. But then would anybody believe them? Because I have a funny feeling they'd go out, get the police, return there, and the building would just be empty and deserted. One of you say it's Belco, and the I bet the authorities can check and they'll be like, there's never been a company called Belco that's even registered here. Maybe, I have a but funny feeling. still, I, I think he hits it on the head that... No matter what, they're going to die. Yes. And you're and just prolonging your life. Yeah, um, particularly towards the end, where the man on the intercom is revealed. I'm going to skip to the end, because that's where I have the most problems. I was going to say, you problems. Because <laughs> I want to go there. So Mike is the last man standing. He's our... He's the winner. For the whole, well, the winner. For the whole film, he's been actively going hey let's try to keep our heads it's morally wrong to murder people and then he murders a man (laughs) well he's forced to isn't he (laughs) yeah he kills his boss because his boss kills his his girlfriend his work 
lady friend, uh, they were canoodling in office hours, so that's no good. No, it's distracting <laughs> from work. It's very distracting. He enacts everyone's fantasy who's ever been harassed by a terrible boss. So, and, and kills him with a sellotape holder thing, and then all the uh, shutters come down, and he's allowed to leave, and he's taken into this bunker where he's met by Blofeld. <laughs> or generic Bond villain number one. Yeah, what was up with these, his scarred face? He's wearing the jumpsuit that Blofeld wears, just in a brown. He's got scarring all over his face. He's got the blonde hairs brushed in a certain way. Yeah. If he had the cat, I wouldn't have been surprised. I would I would have liked him to have a cat, just to really nail that home. And when when Mike, he's being asked by Blow... I'm going to call him Blofeld, because <laughs> I can. Blofeld asks him a load of questions. How, how does it feel to be the last one alive? Are you happy, relieved, sad... And Mike is asking his own questions, going, why did you do this? What was the point of all of this? And Blofeld answers, for science, for data. Mike's going, what are you going to do with this data? I don't know. <laughs> we, just, we just had some money. And, and it's never answered as to the purpose of this experiment. It's not for any immediate danger like in cabin in the woods where again uh, there's a manufactured situation and if they don't play through this situation then the world will end it's not for a, a moral experiment or anything it's not okay if you don't kill anyone you can all go home because Blofeld was gonna blow heads anyway and he's more than happy to so that's where it lets itself down I don't know what you thought of that reveal I think they didn't need it. They probably could have done without it. There's a point where after he's won, uh, two guards escort him out of the building, don't they? They take him to the bunker. And as he leaves the building, it's a white screen. I thought it was going to end then. So, uh, yeah, I think the bit of the whole, this is why we've done it, but for a very vague reason. This is why we've done it <laughs> for science that we're never going to use. Yeah, I think it wasn't needed. You reckon James Gunn just sort of got to that point and was just like, I'm going to stick this in because I'm bored. I have nothing else to do. Maybe. I'm not sure whether that was a James Gunn. Well, he is the only one given a writing credit, but I'm not yeah. sure. He must have had somebody pitching ideas and stuff. Well, I'm not sure. I think he, he wrote the script and then he was going to make it, but then he, he just never got around to filming it, so that's why there's a different director. So I'm not sure. I don't know, but that ending is weak. It's piss poor. I was going to say it pissed you off, didn't it? it? Yeah, it's then... just the laziness of it. I mean, I don't mind a villain that does things because they can. I mean, the Joker's a great example. He does things because it makes him happy. This guy does murder science for what? Well, perhaps that's the whole idea of the ending of the film. It just leaves you wondering. You're never going to know. It's, less, it's left that impact on you. You think about it. That's what the film wants. So when it comes out on DVD, you're going to be like, but there's, I'm going to have to get it again. There's nothing to think about, though. He did it because science... So you're telling nothing, me... Nothing specific, just he wanted to get some data... He did ...as say. to what people would do if you put a bomb in their head and told them to kill your co-workers. Maybe what did the, he uh... think was going to happen? <laughs> Heads explode! If you force people to kill people, they'll kill people! Better head popping than Suicide Squad, though. Yes, I agree with that. Perhaps they're doing it because um, 
after it's revealed, um, that's what it's for. Uh, Mike, it's Mike. Yeah, yeah. He he escapes and he he kills the scientist and the guard, and he walks out and he's won, but he's tired and he looks Battle defeated. Scar. Yeah, camera zooms out to reveal a huge panel of screens, all with people on there looking as if they've just survived it. Yeah, so, they've gone through the same kind of experiment. Yeah, so perhaps they're just collecting a huge moral data thing for. Well, so, I don't know, show aliens that Earth is worth saving and they failed miserably. Well, they have done that because it's not a moral thing. Is it? There's never a point where he goes, if you'd just not killed someone, then I wouldn't have blow- started blowing up people's heads. He blows people's heads up and then people start killing each other. There's never a moral aspect to it. Yeah, but he had to uh, show them that he was serious so then they could make the moral decision of am I going to take these other person's lives or am I going to take, you know, let myself die so they can live. That's not what it came down to though, is it, really? It was just kill everyone and let me get it on camera. And the other thing with the ending, with the multiple screens and stuff, I'm a hypocrite because I always go standalone films are fine but then most of the podcast is Marvel movies and sequels and, <laughs> and shit. So, but if this turns into a horror franchise, I, I'm not sure because we've seen it, and then I doubt James Gunn's gonna be on board and write another one. I don't think anyway. So what are we left with? We're left with the premise and. What different locations switch it up, and then at the end of every film, we get slightly more of why Blofeld did this, Possibly. but not Blofeld because Blofeld's dead. Exactly, he's just doing that one, isn't it? I just want to know who the big person is behind it all. Donald Trump, the government. <laughs> um, so I'm guessing. I think we spoke about this briefly when we came out. If they make a second one, in, I reckon it'd be the survivors in like another scenario. Maybe, or maybe it's just a different work environment instead of an office building. It's a factory. It's, yeah, it's a factory. It's a farm. A, fa- a, farm, a farm, yeah. It could be It could be anything. They could pull an Evil Dead here, in which the first Evil Dead film, the original, was meant to be a horror-type film, but so many people found it funny because they thought it was ridiculous things. Yeah. They, the, the sequels, they made them as horror comedies. Perhaps they make this film, they go, oh, you know what? If we're going to make a sequel, if we make it a horror comedy, and then we can just put in some sort of wacky storyline, and it will fit better rather than trying to keep it all serious. Yeah, I don't think the storyline needs to be wacky. I think the action needed to be more... Because there's a bit where a man snaps a woman's head right the way around. That was good. That's Yeah, but that's kind of cartoony, isn't it? That's not... Yeah, I suppose. I mean, you know, when... I mean I've never snapped a person's neck, but I doubt you could get it the whole way around. I mean, when Bond snaps a neck, he doesn't twist... 180 degrees does it no one bonds the most realistic thing we've watched <laughs> so, is it <laughs> Roger Moore ones definitely <laughs> um yeah I think that's about it for the r- review wise give it a watch or don't watch yeah it's I mean it's only for an hour and a half isn't it and it's it's very brisk yeah yeah and it, it gets on with it it gets quite quickly into the game if you like of it so yeah give it a watch it's, it's fun the problem with films like this, and I think this is, once you've watched it, it loses, it doesn't have much rewatch uh, value. Okay. Because you know who's going to die, you know what order they're going to die, and you know how they're going to die. Well, that's the same for most films. Yeah, but if they've got interesting storylines, I mean, because again, the storyline, it's just, it's a simple premise, isn't it? You kill these people, we blow your head up. 
So this film relies on, oh, who's going to die next? How are they going to die? Who will survive? You lose all of that when you rewatch it. Yeah. And the twist isn't sufficient enough no. to make you go back and go, oh, Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. There's no- yeah, that, <laughs> There's nothing God, like that's a that. Film. But yeah, that, yeah, it's missing that. So it's definitely got a, the first time you watch it is will be your best time watching it. Okay. So give it a watch once. It's up to you to rewatch it again. I'm not going to get the DVD. I don't know about you. Okay, that, that's how you base everything. Will I get the DVD or the Blu-ray? <laughs> or the Blu-ray. Ooh. I'm going to say, I'm going to say watch it so long as they don't make any sequels. If they do, then it's a, I'm changing it to don't watch. Really? Yes. But what the, you can still, even if they make sequels, you can still watch the first one and just leave it at that. Nope. <laughs> Delete it all. Yeah, because I'm kind of not impressed with the twist ending and it's going to be aliens what aliens aliens have come no 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 aliens uh, well yeah they've come down like we're going to judge your planet show us the moral compass of your people and we'll let you live or die so these people went quickly make these Belko experiments force them to kill each other and be like look alien overlords no then everyone's dead in this film universe because they're all they're all horrible now Chris there are lots of deaths in this 79 to be exact Yes. No, more. Well, how many? 17, 79 plus the four, Blowfield, five. two security guards, and, the and two, two scientists. Yeah. So a grand total of 84 deaths. That's good maths. Thank you. Good. Five plus 79. <laughs> yay. So obviously we're not going to go through all 80 plus deaths. So what I've done instead, Chris, is I've made a list of survival tactics that were employed during the course of the film some of them are our personal favorites that we've used in other podcasts oh i'm excited for this so i'm gonna go through the techniques that i saw um we're gonna rate them on how useful they would be in this situation specifically we'll start off chris with the survival method that i'm affectionately calling the chris named after you oh can I guess what this is? You can. <laughs> is it the woman exposing her breasts? No. Nice try. Oh, okay. That comes later. The Chris. We didn't see an example of the Chris. But <laughs> I'm classing I'm classing this method as go crazy immediately and kill as many people as you can. That's... The Chris? The Chris. For that? Goes feral. Could have been a joker. That would have been much more fitting. No, it's the Chris. Okay. It's your podcast. You, you, you get the craze. <laughs> so, so nobody, nobody actually uses this technique. But since you are the innovator of it, wh- what would you do? And then what would the pros and cons of this particular method be? Okay. I think how I'd go about it. You need a calculated craziness for this to work. You don't lose it at the very beginning once the first guy's head pop. Because they'll turn on you and they'll beat you up. What you need to do... You gotta join the one of the the heavies as you call them of the CEO. So when he gets hold of the guns, you know he passes out a pistol to everybody. You wanna get in the into the wolf pack, which is another survival technique which I've I've got rendered. I've gone about this very scientifically. Uh, I've named all the different survival classes. Okay. So So I'm doing some proper science, unlike Blofeld was. Uh so yeah, I'd be one of his heavies. Once he hands out the pistols. That is your moment. You load it. They think, oh yeah, he's loading, he's getting ready. You drop everybody in that room. You collect all the other pistols up. You go into the lobby, you're like, guys, 
you just go nuts on them all. Pistol, pistol, as soon as I have ammo, just drop it. Next one out. As many as you could, dead. Any that survive, and you're left with just your bare hands, you employ your thumbs. And you go crazy with those. Okay. That is the crisp method, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Now, the cons of this is, very obvious, everyone will be out to defend themselves against you. You're running a solo mission on the hardest difficulty. Yes, you can't... Yeah. If we're putting it in video game terms, you can't employ teamwork with the Chris method because or it doesn't can allow. You? No, because because you we... lose your mind and get split personalities. Physical teamwork. Yeah, okay. That, that goes into a different class of survival techniques. So cons with the Chris, you're on your own and you're a target for everyone that isn't you. Pros, everyone's scared of you. <laughs> Yes, especially if they see you walking along and you're just like slowly, I don't know, running a knife across your tongue. Or It'll freak them running out. Running it against a wall, yeah. making a weird scraping sound just to freak everyone out. You'll discourage the weaker-minded people from attempting anything. And yes. the strong-minded people who might try it will be a bit hesitant. Tentative, yeah. They'll yeah. think twice. They'll, they'll have to come at you from a certain way so they'd have to get the jump on you also you don't have to worry about anybody betraying you because you're solo so that's that's a few good points for the chris overall i think it's too bloody for me i think it won't get you through the whole thing you'll get through most of of it it. and then you'll get a gang on you like the one guy who was kicked to death yes yeah one of the guys one of the heavies wielding one of the guns he gets drawn into the basement area and then he's jumped on by a load of people. Understandably, because he was pointing a gun to their head. And he's kicked to death. And the also other problem with the Chris method is stamina. You probably wouldn't be able to keep up that kind of crazy for long without being tired and having to get food and water and stuff. Unless, of course, you just snap while doing it and you literally just lose your mind. In which case, you don't care about food or water. Yeah, but still, you... You'd still be suffering with some kind of fatigue, mental or physical, because you're using a lot of energy to thumb someone's head off or (laughs) or whatever you do. Right, so from that extreme, we'll go to one, a survival technique that was used, one that I'm calling aggressively passive. Paradox, I know, because Is this Mike? This is Mike, yes. So Mike survives... And he's passive. He he doesn't want people to kill themselves under or kill each other, which is understandable. But he goes about it in an aggressive manner that draws attention to himself and brings the ire of the COO and others upon him. So, for instance, the security guard won't hand over the keys to the armory. And instead of trying to pick the lock or anything, they grab a welding torch and try and cut open the lock and they do eventually succeed in getting in but mike aggressively puts a stop to that plan by shooting the blowtorch so it's unusable he's very lucky he didn't blow everyone up when he was shooting at that so. i say had he hit a tank it would explode would it um i think mistbusters did a thing where they shot a tank uh the compressed air tank with a, a gun and it didn't go off with a handgun um so maybe a bit of realism in in this film so it probably wouldn't have exploded but still very dangerous thinking about it 
had he killed the people trying to get to the armory at that point, if he just, uh, I think there's four of them, if he just shot and killed all four, and then they didn't kill anybody else for the film, it would have got a point where uh, they would have done kill 30 or we kill 60. They would have killed 60, but they would have kept Mike alive because he had the most kills. And at the end, it would have been whoever has the most kills survives. So Mike would have won it anyway. Maybe, yeah. This is this is on the assumption nobody else kills anybody. Yes, true. That's a big assumption. That IT guy looked like he could have gone crazy at any minute. That jumper wearing. <laughs> oh, where the round glasses? Yes, I recognise yeah. him. Uh, so do I. There's a lot of people that I recognise uh, from various different yeah. bits and bobs. But yeah. So the passive-aggressive one. Um not my favourite cons you draw the ire of very dangerous people in this particular situation you have multiple people that you are trying to keep alive uh, this is a big burden to bear um, Mike's got his girlfriend and all of his his, his mates uh, at work so there's an emotional pressure on you pros you have the moral high ground well fucking done <laughs> The physical high ground would be better. Well, you would have that as well, because if you're storing all of your energy, trying to keep people not killing each other, and then when it eventually does come down to a one-on-one fight between Mike and his boss, then he's not used up all of his energy bludgeoning people to death. I mean, Mike does get pretty messed up. He gets thrown downstairs and Hit shot in the face out a with lot. fire extinguisher. Yes, and bashed against a wall. So, Cuts his own head open. Uh, yeah. He he gets messed about, so the aggressive passive is not a a path trodden lightly, but it is the only successful survival method that we see in the film. Yes, although others were close to succeeding. Yes, I I suppose so. Then we've got the proper passive survival <laughs> technique, which is basically all the cannon fodder. Oh, I thought you were going to say the, specifically the lady who, for most of it, hides in the basement. Well, that's one method of it, and I would count her in it as well, but she does get her hands... She has a kill, doesn't she? Yeah, she gets one... I think it's accidental, because she doesn't yes. know... She impales Yondu's friend... Who, sidekick. Sidekick <laughs> companion, after he kills Yondu with a wrench. And she is pushed against the wall, and then she pushes off the wall and impales the back of his neck into these screws that are randomly just poking out of a wall. Health and safety nightmare. I know, I don't know how the hell that happened. Yondu's not doing his job properly because he would have levelled them off. He was going to until the guy hit him in the head with a wrench. Exactly. A job left undone. Um, So yeah, hiding, uh, staying in a group, generally not drawing attention to yourself. But again, that's bad in this particular situation because Blofeld will probably go, oh, they're not participating they're not doing anything interesting then i'll i'll kill them i don't know i think he would have left them because the thing is we're not sure how blofeld is choosing the 60 or so people's heads that he's going to explode i think it's at random which means you could have an unbeatable amount of kills and then at the whims of blofeld he offs you no i think uh people with less kills to no kills are random the ones with higher kills He's purposely keeping alive because he's the one. They're, they're the ones that they want to interview afterwards. Well, yeah. they, How do you they, feel killing thirteen people? There are a few points where Blofeld could have killed Mike, and Mike was the one that was causing him the most trouble. He's 
hanging banners to try and draw people's attention. At one point, at the very beginning, when he clocks on that it's the tracers that are the bombs, he goes into the bathroom and tries to remove it. And if he was just slightly quicker, then he could have pulled it out and saved himself from having to take part in this. But yeah, Mike is obviously the one giving Blofeld the most trouble. So, And is also I... the most interesting to the experiments, perhaps. Yeah, because he's, he's promoting not killing anyone. So, I don't know, maybe Blofeld would be interested in interviewing him after the uh, the experiment has concluded. So, who, who can say? Uh, another survival technique, Chris. Bribes. How can you bribe somebody in this situation? By showing them your boobs, you see. Oh, right, yeah, okay. <laughs> so... The COO has a... He's got a wandering eye. He's got a wife and kids, but he's got a wandering eye for one of um, his secretaries or something. A, a hot lady that works in his office. And we also see a guy get out his wallet. And I think... I don't know whether he's trying to bribe him with money. I think he's showing, trying to show pictures of kids and stuff. Uh, probably, yeah. But um, money or boobs, Chris? Bribery. I think boobs will work better. They don't. They don't. <laughs> but I think in this situation, boobs are better than money at this point. Because why do you want money for in a situation? It's the last thing you're thinking about. I think bribery's the worst one. Yeah. Because you're, you're, you're laying all your hopes on boobs or cash. So you're not preparing to fight back or anything or to run. That's your problem. You're leaving yourself an open target. And no one's accepting money or boobs in this situation. Or food. To be in a kitchen just eating peppers or whatever. Spicy food. If it's not of spicy, course. you're not accepting that. So yeah, we're in, we're in agreement. Weakest one? We- yes, definitely weakest okay. one. Okay. Last survival method I've got written down here is the wolf pack, Chris, which is what the COO kind of creates around himself. A group with a leader, um, heavies, gangsters, mafia. <laughs> what? <laughs> Big dudes <laughs> that work together as a unit temporarily, maybe? Until they turn on each other and they're there to kind of as a threat. So as the Chris is a soul crazy guy, the wolf pack is a group of uh, kind of untrusting uh, alliance, which it gets the COO to a good part. But again, once you're separated from your pack, you're solo and it's tricky to keep control of the situation yeah. with a gun or not which is what gives the COO and his group power in this situation is the guns from the armory I think also with this wolf pack thing it's going to be good in the beginning but it won't work towards the end middle and the end of the game it's, just, it's not going to continue working is it especially when they can you imagine if they if the pack as you're saying were all still together and they went oh by the way the person with the most kills win that's it they're just going to instantly turn on each other true yeah and that is kind of what happens with um Dr. Cox and the COO, they're separated, but they're going, I don't know how many kills he's got. I have to I have to beat Duke. I have to I have to make sure that I've got more kills than him. So that's that's what it would turn into eventually, yeah. So out of those, Chris, I know your favourite is the Chris, but <laughs> <laughs> there's only one that proves to work. Yes. Which is one you don't think would work, but it's it does. The, it's the one that's the hardest to pull off. It's the aggressive passive. So, yeah. Yeah. We'll end uh, this survivally section, Chris, with 
if you had to arm yourself with one particular office weapon, yeah, what would it be? It's not a gun. Not a gun. Uh, it's a weapon that's Just actually to keep used it in the film. Oh, is it? Yes. What, what would it be then? You know the machine that you put the paper through, and then you have the big blade that used to cut the paper. Oh, the guillotine type thing. Yeah, very very sharp. And in it, one of the uh, characters, she gets it off and she uses it to hack a guy on his leg and his hand and stuff. Whatever. Yeah. I would use that because... Would if you, you get have that... thought of that, though, before the film? No, but I mean, if I was in that situation, I came across it. Because she didn't think about it until she came across it. Yeah, so true. I, I'd do the same. And um, I reckon how sharp it is, you could... I mean, she only hits his limbs so he goes down. But if you've got a neck shot in or a wrist out, shot yeah. something you could you can make him bleed out what about a weapon that wasn't used in the film okay come on you're a creative psychopath <laughs> what would you use microwave a microwave smash the glass and then use it like a laser beam that's how <laughs> microwaves work isn't it of course it would be an effective weapon but over a period of years uh, <laughs> as everyone slowly died of cell mutations and cancers and stuff that the microwaves vending inflicted. machines that works s- once, but you have to hide behind it and push it over and squash someone. Oh, no, I'm talking about smashing it and using the glass and then putting the glass, taking your shirt off, put the glass into that, crushing it up so you've got a swinging ball glass thing. You know when people put, like, a Yeah, a the glass isn't heavy enough, soft. though. I know, but when you hit it against somebody's head, it, like, cut them. Yeah, but then there's also a danger of you inhaling glass shards, and if it splits, they, it might go into your eyes and stuff, so... Scissors, if you're going to do then. a swinging mace thing, fill it with something heavy. I don't know then. Scissors, bits of raw meat from the kitchen, just salmonella, have some of that. Food poisoning, again, like the microwave long-term death. Oh, God, <laughs> this office is really... Time. I think a fire extinguisher. They're big, they're heavy. Assuming you hit them across the head and you don't miss and they retaliate. I think might you might put to, them down, but Mike gets hit with a, a, a fire extinguisher. One, oh, well, big one. one. But then you've lost speed and agility. Exactly, which is why you, you need to sneak attack with a fire extinguisher. <laughs> Lugging along a giant fire <laughs> extinguisher. The stealthiest weapon used by many a ninja. What would yours be? Mine? Oh, that's an interesting question, Chris. You turned it around on me. It's hard, isn't it, to think of something? A pen. You're going to John Wick it. Yes. Not a, a, Not a, a fancy pen. pen and, uh, one of those fancy font-tipped oh, ones. Because it's concealed. Uh, you can do a Darth Sidious and pull it out of your sleeve. The Jedi are the Rubbler! And the people are like, what the fuck's this guy doing? The Jedi! <laughs> what are you talking about? Do it, Jedi? do it. <laughs> oh my god, lightning's coming out of his fingers. <laughs> one more thing. The, I know there's no cell reception or anything, and they've probably thought of it, but the computers are all working. Just go on Facebook and say, hey, I'm trapped in a building. They've obviously cut the internet to the building. Come on. Probably. Instagram? <laughs> no internet. No, I think the best thing would be it's the day that I overslept and was late for work. Are you called in Or I sick? was ill. Yeah, called in for work. I don't think they would have done the experiment i think they were going to wait until all 80 because they send home everybody else who doesn't have one of these trackers or the Colombian natives yeah don't they so i would, I would they probably waited the locals, until not the locals <laughs> well they are natives aren't they yeah the, uh, yeah they would have waited until all 80 were in okay fair enough so that was the, our thoughts on survival foolproof survival tips for the belka experiment i promised you a delicious sweet treat of news dessert i hope it's some good star wars stuff 
bad Star Wars no, stuff? No, well, we're starting off with a bit of sad news. Uh, director Jonathan Demi, who is known for uh, Silence of the Lambs, he directed that. He passed away this week, so that's I did know. So you did? Cool. Yeah, I read um, the article on it. Um, yeah, Silence of the Lambs is... is it's a great is, film. Is, is, yeah. So he'll he'll be missed, and that sucks. In other news, Sam Jackson and Bruce Willis have signed up for the sequel to Unbreakable. Yeah, oh, they're doing it. Split. Like. So it's definitely pushing forward, and it's also got a name, Chris, as well. It's called Glass, which is Glass. Uh, the name of Sam Jackson's character. Okay. In Unbreakable. So I really do want Unbreakable. Yes, you. It would be necessary, I'd say. Mm. Uh, but we've watched Split, and we we like that. Yeah, we said we'd like to see more stuff in that universe now that Shyamalan's got his shit together. Unless, of course, Glass becomes The Last Airbender. Yes. So, hopefully not. But, yeah, I, I think there's some good stuff coming from that. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Uh, Indiana Jones 5, Chris. Yes! <laughs> Wait, I... Uh, <laughs> Yes, if it's similar to the first three. No, if they're going Chris's skull direction again. Well, I'm not sure what they're actually doing. Whether they're getting Harrison Ford back or whether they're recasting. He really wants to do another one. Yeah, to probably to make up for the bad taste that Crystal Skull left in his mouth. Or maybe he's going through all of his past films, killing off famous Harrison Ford characters. Oh my god, Decker's going <laughs> to bl- die in Blade Runner 2049 then. Then that president he played in Air Force One. Never and then saw Indiana that. Jones. <laughs> He'll get convicted again for murder and Fugitive 2. And then die. And Tommy Lee Jones is going to come get, back to yeah, chase Tommy him again. Yeah, Tommy Lee Jones will get him executed in the electric chair or whatever. So that's what Harrison Ford is doing, systematically no. killing off all of his... <laughs> Please no Shia LaBeouf. I, I, Please no Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> it's not that. I've, I've not got any news on what the hell Indiana Jones 5 Find out. <laughs> but it's being pushed back from 2019 to 2020 is their release date for Harrison going to still be alive then hopefully was he 75 I'd hate to guess Harrison mm. you look very young for your age you're no older than 40 just in case he gets offended and <laughs> hunts us down Harrison Don't I was 70 <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so that's moved back for reasons that I I, I cannot comprehend Next bit of news, Chris, and this is the sweetest news of the week, I feel. Sweet as in good or sickly sweet? Sw- oh, it's so sweet. If I have another morsel of it, I might throw up. Jurassic World 2 hey. has added the legendary, iconic Go on. Go on, say it. hunk of man meat that is Jeff Goldblum. He's oh. back. What? I wanted Sam Neill. Oh. <laughs> I was like, yes, yes. Jeff got, oh, oh, bugger. I think Sam, I, is Sam Neill in? I heard they're doing a film together. I don't know if it was Thor Ragnarok. I don't know. I know, I think they were in a film together. But I, yeah, I would like Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum. I would like their characters to interact again because they yeah. have good chemistry. Yeah. I'd like to go to the pub with them, but <laughs> <laughs> that's never going to happen. But yeah. Goldbloom, I'm sorry to tease Neil, but Goldbloom's good, right? People love him. He's a ball of charismatic suave. Will, ooh, okay, bloody hell. 
Will they redo uh, like from his first Jurassic Park film where he's laying there? I think he's on the back of the vehicle and he's got his top open. Yes, have you that, seen? That's become like an internet sensation. There's things like Sam Neill like laying on it, like straight yes, in the stomach. Yes, have you seen? I was yes, going to say, have yeah. you seen that where he's got a horse just a wandering <laughs> laying on his exposed chest? Yeah, I want that scene recreated. I want that to be the first shot we get of him. The camera pans around and he's just, Chris Pratt comes in or whatever and he's just sitting there in his huge sofa just like that, like, hey. Jeff Goldblum. Do you always lay like that? Yeah. <laughs> Life finds a way to get Jeff Goldblum's shirt off. How can you not have Sam Neill in it though if you've got Jeff Goldblum? Why is Sam Neill not back? I don't know. Maybe he doesn't want to be part of it. Maybe. I don't care what a... he wants. <laughs> Kidnap Sam Neill and make him be in Jurassic World yes. 2. Maybe it's a schedule conflict or maybe they're saving him for a third one or something, but. I'd be surprised if we didn't see Sam Neill or have him referenced at some point. Or maybe the taste of Jurassic Park 3 is still in his mouth. It wasn't that bad of a film. It wasn't brilliant. Yeah, it, wasn't it was ha- just a generic, I'm a monster and I'm going to eat you film. Yeah, so it wasn't terrible. I mean, then we get in the first Jurassic World film, we get the book with Jeff Goldblum on it, don't we? Yes. Uh, so perhaps that was a thing to come so if we see something of Sam Neill or any reference to him we'd be like oh he'll be in Jurassic World 3 maybe yeah so I'm I'm excited about this sorry for getting your hopes up and dashing them uh, do you know what? when you say that I completely forgot about Jeff Goldblum I was like Sam how Neill how could you forget about Sam the Goldblum Neill. I was like it's not Richard Attenborough because I think he's passed away he's now passed, so yeah, I was like oh it's Sam Neill it's going to be Sam Neill Goldblum wait what oh yeah he was in it wasn't he ah oh, damn it was, I'm not, it was the not kids bad. from the first two yeah <laughs> I mean, it's not bad. I like I like Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. I just prefer Sam Neill. You Would... will like Goldblum. I, I do like Goldblum. Like him. Right. <laughs> That's it. I'm out of news and I'm out of thoughts on uh, the Belker experiment. But Chris, if other people have thoughts, feelings and emotions on the news or on the Belko experiment, how would they tell us? Numerous ways. You can uh, tweet us at We Could Survive, email the show at wecouldsurvive.gmail.com. We're on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, Twitcher, Nitcher, and Ditcher. We're not on any of the last three. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure some of them don't exist, but and if soon. you want to steal those for social network <laughs> platforms, then go ahead. Uh, just give us some commission. We'll give Chris some commission, and then he doesn't have to do this podcast and move to Columbia. Ditcher for would Belco. be a good one. <laughs> Ditcher, the website where you break up. Ah! Yes. <laughs> You create an account and then you invite your partner to it and then you dump them. Did you? For all the cowards out there. Where do I sign up? (laughs) That was a... I'm going to be furious. If Ditcher comes out next year, I'm going to be furious. (laughs) Yeah, that's everything. We'll be back next week, definitely, for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So you've had a triple trilogy a triple, tri- triple that's trilogy. That's like nine. <laughs> you've had you've had a trilogy of James Gunn films, so we'll probably move on from Mr. Gunn to the someone else. Great Alien after that, because Alien's coming out Alien pretty Coffin? soon. Yes. Ooh, have you seen any other Alien film? But well, I must have. We did Alien at one point. Uh, they're all the same. Face hugger. Alien bursts out. Uh, oh, uh, da, da, da. Normally, one survivor tends to be female in the Alien franchise. It tends to be that way with every horror film. Anyway, Guardians <laughs> next week. Until then, keep on surviving. I stole your What mind. the? <laughs> That's my part.